Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Andrew, also known as Small Town Andrew or at Small Town Andrew on social media. And Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing well today, Josh. How about yourself? I'm very good. I'm glad to have you here. And I think I'll walk people through a bit of, of how we've met, that we met through Rob Harper, who is a past guest on this podcast. And he invited me to be a guest on several panels where he reports, which is magamedia.org. And MAGA is Make America Great Again. So you might expect that the stories there agree with and support Trump and his conservative politics. And if you thought that, you'd be right. And at my end, a few people, listeners, as well as my own family, they wonder what I'm doing. They're like, Josh, if you're for the environment, aren't they the enemy? And they don't really. And, and when I'm there, I talk about race and I talk about gender, but not the way the New York Times does. And but likewise, I don't agree with a lot of the MAGA positions either, but I don't look at other Americans as the enemy. They're voters, they're citizens, they're people that I can understand. And I don't understand everything, which is a reason to talk, not to avoid. And that's why after all the times you and I have, we've spoken indirectly, I guess we've probably spoken to each other directly at times, but not really conversational. And so I reached out and said, how'd you like to be on the show? And you said, yeah, let's do it. And so now I think the, hopefully that brings the listeners up to speed. Did I cover that about right? Is that how we met? Or what was it like from your side? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when Rob mentioned bringing you on for the first time, uh, he showed me your website and whatnot. And I could obviously tell the environment and things like that were very important to you, which is obviously a different agenda than what we covered on our website. But uh, yeah, like just the divisiveness nowadays is just out of control. And uh, I loved having Josh on all the times that we've had him on because he'll come on and have a conversation with us. He'll disagree with us, but um, it doesn't get out of hand or um, we don't get uh, angry at each other. And it's just really good rapport. And I think uh, we it's what's suffering in America today is a lot more people aren't talking things out and uh, having the, these conversations. You know, you, you make me think of how sometimes after I'm on, it'll end and it shuts down and everyone closes down their, I mean, I close down my browser and then I'll get a text from, from Rob saying like, oh, that's really good. And I was like, I disagree with you. And I was like, I really like that. You know, I'll, I'll, like you guys will talk about something. And I'll say, well, what about this? And then he texts me afterward. I'm glad you said that. I disagree. I'm glad you said it. Right. And then there's some issues too, like we'll disagree on a little, uh, we've got disagreements on say illegal immigration or whatever, but then it's nice to um, hear like how your brain works and then find out that there are, there is some common ground that even um, the two sides have, but no one's ever talking anymore. So no one ever gets to these solutions to where we can meet some common ground. Can we go back a step? And all I know about magamedia.org is from going to the site. And I'm curious, I don't know if you can share how you and Rob met each other. Did you guys start it or is it, what's its origins or its goals? If, if you can share. Okay. Well, about uh, four years ago now, when President Trump was elected into office, uh, we decided, my girlfriend and I decided to open up a website because we were already on Twitter a lot. We were doing very well with uh, followers. We had like over 70,000 followers on Twitter at the time. So, uh, yeah, we just decided we're spending all this time covering President Trump and uh, what's going on in the world. We might as well uh, post it to a website. And uh, Rob was actually one of my Twitter followers. And uh, I had writ I read a lot of his threads on Twitter and um, his articles. So I reached out to him and asked him if he would like to write for our website, which he uh, fortunately took us up on. And then that led to uh, us getting um, some guests and doing some interviews together. And then we just started podcasting on a weekly basis, probably about two years ago. 
And uh, ever since then, yeah, Rob and I have been on with each other several times a week and uh, it's gone great. It really was just organically grown. I mean, you you got a lot of followers and you took the next step. It wasn't like, um, I imagine there was a business plan or or seeking funding or things like that, but it sounds like it was really, I mean, when Rob tweets me, there's like, when I tweet, I get a couple of responses. When Rob tweets and I get added in there, it's like tons. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. Fortunately, a lot of the uh, Trump supporters, they were very um, well organized on social media. So um, we like all uh, followed each other, kept track on each other and shared a lot of it was like a share system kind of on there. So, uh, yeah, it was very fortunate for us to be able to spread our messages with a lot of the other Trump supporters. Like I said, there's like a share system for all the people who uh, supported President Trump and had decent sized accounts on social media that were just like regular citizens and not like influencers or celebrities or whatnot. So yeah, that really helped out. We were fortunate enough to, when we were pushing the website, we've even got the website retweeted by President Trump a few times, which is obviously an honor for us. So yeah, it's just worked out great. So going back even farther, you, you told me when we were preparing for this that you, how did you become a Trump supporter? Because you said that you weren't into politics before that, if I understood you right. Okay. Yeah, basically, I grew up um, in Illinois. I was born in 1987. So uh, obviously, when I was like getting into high school age and whatnot, about 2000, things were quite a bit different than they are now. But my parents were actually uh, are still Democrats and always have been Democrats. And I was kind of raised to think that if you're a Republican, it must be because you're rich. Only rich people voted for Republicans. So um, I never really considered that Republican would be an issue. But when I was working after high school, I graduated high school and became a cook. And I was uh, working, you know, 40 hours a week, 10 bucks an hour, uh, like a normal 19-year-old kid. And a couple of years later, Barack Obama instituted Obamacare, which really cost me big time. After Obamacare came into effect, I did not have health insurance and I was getting fined $1,500 a year for not having health insurance. And here I was, this lower class kid trying to pay bills, making, you know, $20,000 a year. And then I was getting fined $1,500 a year. So at that point, my mindset was, I don't really care who's the president unless if they affect me personally. And when Barack Obama did the Obamacare thing, it affected me personally because it was taking money out of my wallet. So that made me um, look elsewhere for the uh, 2016 election and who could possibly be my choice. And a lot of the things that people don't like about President Trump, that he's brash, he's arrogant, um, he says what he feels all the time were the things that drew me to him. I actually love that. Um, He's not your typical politician because I uh, was not feeling like they were doing much for us before then. So yeah, basically President Trump came along and he was saying everything that I was already thinking. So would the other, what about the other Republicans? Would you have supported them? I, I would gather that you would support them, but not as much. Right. If President Trump never came along, it would have been, I probably would have listened to the 2016 primaries and uh, made up my mind based off of that. I think I probably would have liked uh, Ted Cruz because when I was watching, I did uh, like him the second most from President Trump. I just think that my worldview is just more shaped towards the right over the years, like uh, the policies and uh, 
obviously the cancel culture I'm not a fan of. I'm a big fan of free speech. But there are some uh, left-wing policies I do agree with as well. But overall, I would definitely say I'm more on the right side of things for sure. I'm curious about the how things are with your family. I, when I was growing up, what was that show called? With, um, Michael J. Fox played Alex Keating, and he was a Republican. Uh, I guess it was... I think it was in the 80s, so he had been like a very big Reagan supporter. Mm-hmm. And his family was former hippies. What was that show called? Now, I can't believe I can't, I'm blanking on it. All in the family? No. Anyway, I'm curious about how things are in the family, because I feel like it's the sort of thing that some families might get really angry about, but maybe some families don't. And how are things there? Right. My dad's basically not a very political guy. I mean, if he votes, he would vote Democrat, most likely. But my mom, she is political and she's very Democratic. So uh, me and her obviously argue quite a bit about our politics. She despised President Trump. She did not like anything about him. She's one of those people that disliked him way before he was in office. She just thought that he was raunchy and um, all these other things. So yeah, obviously there's some tension there, but uh, we get through it and talk things out. And she hasn't influenced how I feel politically. And unfortunately, I haven't changed her mind at all either. (laughs) Is it stressful or is it, I mean, let's see, my little sister married a guy who's more conservative. And I think I enjoy talking to him. I think some people in the family have a little more trouble, but everyone tends to get along, but there's no one, it's not like really diametrically opposed. Right. It can be a little contentious when something will come up uh, that we disagree on, like, um, say, uh, the George Floyd trial or something. Um, she'll believe um, basically uh, what she's been seeing on the news or whatever. And my opinion might be a little bit different than that. And she'll get really heated and be like, why do you always have to do that? Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, uh, it does get a little heated from time to time. But uh, overall, I'd say we have a great relationship. And I was fortunate enough to where she had wasn't really controlling of what I thought. Like she never has tried to get me to not be a Donald Trump supporter. She's always been open to what my thoughts are, but she just uh, feels differently. <laughs> <laughs> that, the, that little chuckle at the end had like, carried a lot of meaning in it. <laughs> I mean, I live in Greenwich Village and it's the way I put it is like my vote is like worth nothing because I, it, it's so blue here that it's it's just very blue. And and I think in Washington Square Park a little while ago, I saw someone wearing a Trump hat and I saw a woman canvassing for getting signatures for getting a Republican on the ballot, but it's pretty rare. And I'm guessing that if you're in a small town in Illinois, I'm not sure if you're still there, but if you're in a small town in Illinois, there's probably more Trump support there. How is it where you are? Yeah, I live in a small town, but it's only about 10 miles away from a little bit bigger city, uh, Peoria, Illinois, which is probably around uh, 300,000 or so. So uh, Peoria, which is about 10 minutes away from me, is actually pretty liberal. But um, where I'm at, uh, Bartonville, it's about 10, 15 minutes away. It's a little more conservative town. But overall, I'd say... uh, this area in total is actually more liberal than it is conservative where I am. How's the dialogue there? Because, I mean, that's what Rob and I bonded on first was he came to that talk of mine at Google. And I think it was an accident. I, I'm sure you know the story, but he was, someone told him there's a talk on how to start a podcast and left out off for the environment. And so he sits down for a two hour <laughs> talk and he's like, uh oh, there's a disaster. <laughs> and then actually, Oh, I got to share the first mention of me on your show was when Rob said, I got 
a video coming up of a conversation with Josh, or I think, I think you said it the way you said with an environmentalist and it sounded like you're like, like with an idiot. <laughs> and he says, no, actually he really lives what he's talking about. He's not telling people to do other things. He's like sharing what he does. Right. And I thought, oh, this is very magnanimous. I was really pleased to, to see and hear that. Not magnanimous, just fair-minded. Right. I think when people hear environmentalists, the first thing that comes into their mind is like the Greta Thunberg style, uh, shove it down your throat. We're going to change everything right here, right now. But uh, yeah, I really respected and appreciated your approach to it. You don't um, tell people anything that you're not willing to do and have done yourself already. So uh, yeah, I really do admire your approach to the environment. I was thinking about you just before recording, I was eating lunch and it was all like vegetables, lettuce from nearby farms, potatoes that I had uh, fermented. And to me, it's about, oh man, I'm going to share with you something. I don't know if you know, I'm working on my my next book now. And a big part of it is how I think that when I approach the environment, people look at what I, like, I believe that there should be, to me, if I incur a cost, but I pass it off to the public, that's not good accounting. And businesses that are, that don't have to pay certain costs that they incur will be in business, even though they're actually not improving the wealth of the nation. But most people say, okay, you want a carbon tax? Well, yeah, but I really want fair accounting. So people say, okay, liberal. But when I talk to conservatives, I've not yet met a conservative who's like, I want dirty air. Everyone wants clean air, clean water, clean land. Right. But when I get to the emotions, liberals, some of them are really joyful about the environment. A lot of them, I feel like it's like a burden and they really want government to tell them what to do or else they won't do it. And when I talk to conservatives, I'm not going to say that they act anymore. I think liberals and conservatives, from what I've seen, they pretty much pollute about the same. But when the conservatives talk about stewardship and if they were to act, it seems to come from a place of honor and service and patriotism and glory that more resonates with my emotions. Like, I feel like it's a really, like, I'm not doing stuff out of a, you know, I'm not taking one for the team. I'm not sacrificing. I'm really, I really love fresh vegetables. And I didn't grow up that way. Mm-hmm. I always had ice cream in the freezer. And now I, I would take a piece of fresh fruit over ice cream any day, especially if it was from a farmer that I know because I go to the farmer's market. Oh yeah. Especially August, September. <laughs> yeah. Strawberries about to come in and people are telling me, some people I know are getting like the early asparagus. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so on the conservative side, I, I feel like, I see this big sleeping giant of people who feel like they're being told what to do, being made to feel guilty, being hit over the head, but no one wants litter on their lawn. No one wants mercury in their fish. And I think people feel like, this is me looking from the outside. I think people feel like if I do that, I'm going to look like I'm following Al Gore and it'll look like a defeat. Whereas if they, I, I would like for people to feel like I'm doing it to clean up my community. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my neighbors. I'm doing it for my country. And I think then there's something that could really take off. Really, I see it as like like an overhang. There's, there's like people want to act. They just don't want to do it for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. I think there is common ground on the environment between um, conservatives and liberals, especially as far as like um, littering and polluting and stuff like that. Uh, conservatives like clean areas. But um, I feel like the Democrats and uh, liberals, to a certain extent, they are demanding all these huge wholesale changes that would just fundamentally change the country, obviously uh, change a lot of people's working situations and whatnot. And that's what conservatives are very uh, reluctant on. They don't like big changes. So yeah, they just need to somehow start having these conversations and how we can focus on cleaning up the 
actual environment in a way to where it's not going to scare half the country off to where they think that they're going to be, they're being force fed this agenda. Yeah. How does it look to you? I mean, have you done much? Have you changed your behavior much for what you've learned about pollution or litter or climate change? Well, I certainly uh, go through more than one garbage can a year, Josh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I've i always been the type of guy, I'm not the type that's going to uh, litter or whatever. I, I pick up after myself when I go somewhere. But other than that, it's just not one of the main pressing issues on my mind, obviously. But as from a personal standpoint, I, I just try and do what I can do. Just pick up garbage. Don't leave anything out. I still travel as much as I would if uh, there wasn't any climate change going on. <laughs> I'm going to share with you a, this is like the secret dream of mine, not dream. No, no, I'm sorry. This is something that I think would be a strategy that might work mm-hmm. from the conservative side. If, if clean air, clean water, clean land was adopted as, a, and said, like, this is ours, we're making it our issue. And we're not doing it because you taught, you're telling us to, we're doing it because we care, because this is a gift, because this is stewardship. And then if, if I put on my conservative eyeglasses and look at the world and I look at the Green New Deal, I would say if I took the green out of that and make that ours, then all that's left is the New Deal part. And now it's going to lose. It's not going to have the support it did because it doesn't have the green part attached. I feel like it's, it's like stealing the other person's issue. I mean, if, if it becomes like an American thing, we, we just want to be cleaner, more uh-huh. pure, then... I think it I think it would lose votes because I think a lot of people like the green part of the Green New Deal. And they might not like the New Deal part of the of the New Deal, Green New Deal. Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um it's hard to say what the the people don't like. Um when it comes to the Green New Deal, obviously the uh a lot of the uh spending in it is uh, over the top. Uh, when it first came out, remember the whole thing with the cows farting and everything, a lot of the uh backlash against the Green New Deal was big, but I mean, obviously there are some things in there that we could um, learn from and that are going to be implemented here very soon. Yeah, I, I think some liberals are going to be like, Josh, why are you doing that? You're taking away our issue. I'm like, you can act, you can do it. Like, you don't have to wait for government and corporations to do it first. You can, you can act yourself. So I, I didn't mean to get into the environment yet, because uh, what are the big issues for you? I mean, you talked about free speech and cancel stuff and also taxation and your how it affects your wallet what what are the big issues that really get you if you don't mind my asking right well some of the things that really are important to me are obviously um, keeping the economy keeping americans working keeping taxes low keeping uh, wages at a, a normal rate i think this increase in minimum wage would be very bad for the economy overall because a lot of these employers are going to lay people off or McDonald's will switch to just using the kiosk and things like that. So uh, just the economy is very huge to me. It's number one. And then I love America. I've always loved America, the tradition of America, the story of America. Obviously, America's had a lot of problems in the past, but uh, just being a you know, a patriotic American has always been such an amazing thing to me. You know, when I was a kid, I was like a Hulk Hogan fan and he'd come to the ring with the American flag and whatnot. And I, I just miss that overall, that patriotic Americans. I, I love that about um, conservatives, that they do love America and our history. So that was very important to me um, when I was picking uh, which party I would be in. So, yeah, just basically 
the love of America is what gets me uh, to the conservative side more so. You see the left, they are very divisive rhetoric towards our past. Uh, we see these destroying, removing old statues and whatnot. That's just all a huge turnoff to me. I feel like Trump has a lot of fun with like, he'll say stuff that if you take it literally, it sounds really inflammatory. And if you take it not literally, if you agree with him, it's fun. And you can see how it really annoy the other side. Right. But I think the other side says, but people actually do take it more seriously than like he says it's a joke and like you can interpret it as a joke, but it actually does have an effect. I feel like he's walking a really fine line there. I'm not sure if he's doing it on purpose or not. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. President Trump, I mean, look at all these things he said over the years. Um, even before he was president, some of the things that he would go on, like Howard Stern and say, I remember watching him on a Howard Stern before, and he was talking about Kim Kardashian being fat or something like that. It's just like most people could never, ever get away with the stuff that President Trump has gotten away with and his rhetoric. But I think he just stands up to so many Americans that are sick of this cancel culture because we've seen the media try and cancel President Trump countless times, and he never apologized. He always stood strong, and somehow he would always make it to the other end, no matter what would happen to this guy. I mean, he has so many lives, so many um, stories and uh, controversies that he survived. It's just like you could never keep him down. And so that, I take it that was inspirational because I think a lot of people feel like if you say he can say things that other people can't, that means I can't. And if I can't, then that means I'm, I can't speak my mind. Well, I think it's more that he just says things that other people can't. And because he has the uh, guts to say it, he can get away with it more than other people. And he's not going to he's not going to be worried about the articles coming out that say that how President Trump said this. It makes him sound racist or whatever. That doesn't factor into his logic when he makes these crazy statements. I just think that he has the guts to say it and says it and since he doesn't apologize, they can't figure out a way to cancel him and make him be offensive to half of America like they've tried so hard to do for the past several years. Uh, it just seems like he's almost like standing up for like uh, the whole uh, side of America that's against, uh, you know, the like canceling of old traditions and values. It just seems like he definitely stands up for his fan base and represents us well with his words. Is it fun also being part of the fan base? Have you been to rallies? Oh, it's a blast, Josh. I mean, I probably went to 20 Trump rallies and uh, we'd get there three or four days early and there'd already be, you know, 10,000 people in line lined up to see President Trump. And you just walk through the line and you'd all hang out with all the other Americans and uh, you'd be bashing Nancy Pelosi, talking about what President Trump's doing. It just was a really great time to come together with so many like minded people. I will definitely miss those Trump rallies. Are they still happening? I mean, the community is still there. Right. I'm not so sure what he's going to do. I would uh, really hope that he brings them back. I, even if he's not president, I would still like go see him speak for an hour and a half or whatever. And I do think that he would draw huge crowds still. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. As of now, he's got nothing announced. He's just kind of uh, laying low in Florida, as far as I know. Is there anything he said or did that you look back and you're like, I mean, you said he was brash and you said that he'll speak off the cuff and sometimes he'll say things that probably are maybe were best not said. Mm. But were, were there any material, like big things that he said or did that you disagreed with or or not? I'm the type of guy that I'm not easily offended. 
I there's definitely I having a hard time thinking of something off the top of my head, but there's definitely a handful of examples where I would disagree with him and be like, ooh, he'd be better off if he never said that. The media is going to make, you know, a big deal out of that or whatever. But uh, nothing really comes off, uh, comes up to my head right away. But yeah, there was definitely times where I thought he did go over the line a little bit for what I would have done um, in his shoes. But um, that's just part of the reason that we all love him is because he is willing to do that and take risk and take chances. What do people on the left or even on the right who disagree with him, what do they miss? Just such a big personality. I mean, President Trump, we've never had a politician like him in America, at least definitely not in my lifetime. I know like maybe um, Teddy Roosevelt was a big character back in the day, but President Trump is definitely a character, you know, besides just a politician. I think the media definitely misses having him to being able to dissect everything that he does every single day. Joe Biden's a little bit more of a low profile president. Um, You don't see as much of him and he's not out tweeting all the time. I mean, President Trump, he could wake up in the morning, send out a tweet, and then he'd have the media talking all day. Uh, That's pretty much what he did. So I do think uh, the media is missing him um, and the easy coverage that he gave them. I mean, he just, there's so much to cover with President Trump. (laughs) But uh, obviously conservatives miss him. We miss having having him um, be our voice and uh, just kind of taking it a day at a time, see what happens next. I think that the right in this country, we're in a big standstill because there's this huge divide between President Trump's fan base and the new um, Make America Great Again, America First movement, and then the old guard of like Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, um, a lot of conservatives that I know, they really dislike like Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, think that we need to get rid of them and um, get candidates that are America first candidates in here in the future. And I guess that difference of opinions in the absence of a major election is probably not that big of a deal. I mean, you can write your congresspeople and senators, but I, I would think that that'll really come to a fore when, when an election happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really interesting. I cannot wait for uh, 2020 and when all the primaries are starting to take place and see what shakes up and which side's going to win because there is this power fight right now between like the Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell type of Republicans and then the President Trump, America first type of Republicans, which side will win out. Is there a lot more common ground between those two sides and between those sides and liberals? Um, Or is it just as great a, a chasm? It's probably one of those things that goes issue to issue. Interestingly enough, like even like hardcore Trump supporters, they'll agree with like Bernie Sanders supporters um, on certain things. You know what I mean? Like um, voting or Bernie supporters are more likely to believe that Bernie's get something's rigged and the the system's out to get Bernie. And it's kind of the same thing like with Trump supporters. We think the system's out to get President Trump. Everything's rigged against him. It's kind of the same kind of paranoia. So Uh, Believe it or not, I think there is actually some um, similarities between like the Bernie Sanders supporters and the President Trump supporters. Yeah, it feels like there's um, a second axis besides the traditional liberal conservative. There's also maybe big government versus small government Mm -hmm. or uh, personal freedom versus 
Right. Because, yeah, we're seeing this divide on both sides of the country. I remember when uh, President Trump was president, the um, big argument on the left was, are we going to keep Nancy Pelosi and uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, not Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer around? Or are we going to focus on this new generation like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar? Just the progressives are trying to uh, outdo the uh, old guard. And we're seeing the same thing in the right right now with um, people trying to get rid of Mitch McConnell and uh, a lot of the old Republicans that have been around for decades. I think that conservatives look at Pelosi and feel this similar emotion that liberals feel when they look at President Trump uh, McConnell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I think it's with Trump, it's on a different level, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there's like this, like, oh, I can't stand that person. How do, they're so powerful and I can't do anything about it. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's both sides seem to see the other the same way, like the the, the like counterparts on a chessboard. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny when you uh, stand back and like just look at things. Like if you're trying to take out all of your bias and just see that, yeah, basically both sides have these centerpieces that have been there forever, and both sides' own parties don't even like these people that have been there forever. Like there's a lot of people in the Democrat side that's not a big fan of Nancy Pelosi. There's a lot of uh, people in the Republican side that aren't a big fan of Mitch McConnell. Yeah, it's just a really interesting time. Yeah, I had this this epiphany, not epiphany, just realization. It was shortly after January 6th when I was just reflecting on how angry so many people are in this country. And there's been, you know, January 6th, there was the January 6th stuff. And then there was the BLM all summer. And, and, and I felt like everyone's really loud and everyone's really angry. And I don't think, I can't think of a voice that's been covered in this big way that I feel like that speaks for me. That person speaks for me or that movement speaks for me. I feel like everyone's got it off. It's something's not quite right. And it sounds like you've had that with Trump, but I haven't had that. I just feel like certainly coming from the the voices of the people protesting and being out in the streets and at the Capitol, I feel like mm, that's not my voice at all. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting. Hopefully you're not a big Bernie Sanders guy, Josh. I've seen him talk a couple of times and, and yeah, I liked it. I don't think I would have minded if he'd become president. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a Democrat in a while that I've been like that person I really like. Right. When I saw Biden, I wasn't like opposed. It's He seemed kind of interesting, but it wasn't like, like the way... And I don't see him exciting people. Obama seemed to excite people a lot. And people were dancing the streets in New York City when he got elected. Well, they were dancing the street when Biden got elected too. But I think more because it wasn't Trump than because he was Biden, whereas Obama was, he was Obama. And something electrified people about him, mm-hmm. which didn't connect with me as much. Yeah, I remember that. I even voted for uh, Barack Obama the first time. I thought uh, his message the first time he ran was really great. And uh, it it was definitely a very unifying time in the country. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way where everybody stayed unified. But yeah, the original Barack Obama, when he came out in 2007, I believe it was, and started running for president after serving in Illinois, he was a very inspiring story. And it seemed like people were going to come together then. But here we are almost 10 years later, and it's never been worse. I wonder if, did you feel almost stabbed in the back when when your wallet started getting affected that way for some, by someone you voted for? Absolutely. I felt like I was definitely um, lied to in my life that when they told me that if you vote for a Democrat and you don't have a lot of money, that it's the way to go because they're always looking out for your best interest. And then 
like I said, I was making, you know, probably $20,000 a year and started getting fined $1,500 a year after I had already voted for the guy myself. So it almost felt like I did this to myself. Yeah. And do you mind if I ask, how did you feel about the election this time and January 6th? Well, obviously I was very disappointed. Not so sure I would say with 100% confidence that it was stolen, like a lot of conservatives like to say, but I do think the election system itself is what was so um, vastly different this time, which left a bad taste in my mouth and a lot of people's mouth with all the uh, mail-in voting with the uh, COVID-19 and whatnot. I mean, we've seen at the end of election night, I was ecstatic. Uh, President Trump was leading um, basically all the same states that he won in 2016, and it it, for a while there, it looked like it was going to be a, a big win for President Trump. But then we've seen just the way the whole thing folded, came, unfolded, Josh, it could not have been worse for America with the way that President Trump had the big lead at the night of the election. And then the next morning, all of a sudden, all these Joe Biden votes start pouring in. And you got to think conservatives are already paranoid people as it is. And then when they start seeing this happen, they're just like, what in the heck is going on? Uh, it's just from my life experience, I've never seen an election take like a week to get the results. I think that was very bad for the morale in this country. I think we got to get these results in in a night. As far as January 6th goes, it was very uh, sad and disappointing to see uh, people be violent in there in the Capitol. But I was a big supporter of the visual of surrounding the Capitol. I thought that was very powerful when all the Trump supporters, like they panned with that camera angle and they showed all the Trump supporters that just had the Capitol surrounded. I think that was great. If it could have ended there, that would have been the best. But unfortunately, uh, people took it to the next level. And uh, there were probably, what, 100 or so that were misbehaving in there. I think a lot of people that went inside obviously just went inside because they're like, hey, we're in the Capitol. I don't think they had any bad intentions. But yeah, it was just a very unfortunate few months in American history. And it will uh, definitely be the cause for uh, more division going forward here. I'm really curious what happened. I mean, all the trials are coming up and the FBI, I guess, is still following up on these things. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to, I hadn't thought of the, had they gone and just demonstrated outside peacefully. I mean, they could have had a really strong case to say, look, when we do it, we're not burning things. We're not. Absolutely. And it was a strong visual with everyone. I don't know if you saw it, but when they were all surrounding the Capitol, like just seeing the hundreds of thousands of people, you're just like, holy crap. But then when it got out of hand, it pretty much ruined the visual. When I saw him go to speak before he went on and when he was up, I felt like what I was seeing was a, like a conductor playing an orchestra. And whereas a conductor, like, I don't know what a conductor does. I mean, you know, sets the tempo and, and like says more from you guys and less from over there. I felt like he was really playing an audience, like a conductor plays an orchestra. And, and I felt like after he finished, he felt like how a performer must feel after like getting a rousing result from an audience. And like they leapt to their feet afterward, except it was much more than that. They didn't just leap to their feet. They walked a, a great distance. And then, but it also meant that there was a, I saw a responsibility for their actions. I mean, everyone's responsible for their own actions, but I felt like he had more to do with what happened than I think he would say. Right. I think it's possible. But, uh, President Trump is obviously not a perfect person. He does have a very big ego. I think if he would have been able to 
tell that what the future was going to be. He probably wouldn't have um, gone the same route in his speech. He would have changed it up a little bit. But um, yeah, in hindsight, he probably shouldn't have said a couple of the things that he said. But as as we were mentioning, um, this was his last rally. Um, he wanted to take his farewell. I don't think he see, foresaw what was going to happen after the speech. He just thought that they were going to uh, protest at the Capitol. I didn't think he think, thought that it would turn into the situation that it did. But uh, yeah, President Trump was himself that night and uh, definitely was speaking his mind. And the people are behind him for every word. Now, I'd love to keep talking about these things. And if it's okay with you, I want to go back to the environment. And uh, sure. Is the environment, you said that you pick up stuff sometimes. It sounds like it's something that matters to you, even if it's not your top priority. Do I read that right? Correct. What does it mean to you? Like when you, when you do step down to pick up some litter or you act in however you do, what motivates you? What does the environment mean to you? Well, it's just like wherever I'm at, I want to be at a clean spot. I don't want it to be junky with trash all over the place. Obviously, that's very tacky and disgusting. So even just from like, you know, a look standpoint and just keeping picked up so uh, your hometown or wherever you're at looks good. I think that's very important. And yeah, there's nothing that's a turnoff to me is then when you go to a city and you see like garbage all over the streets and stuff like that. Um, that's one of the things I actually do like about Las Vegas. They have very good street cleaners. I mean, you wake up in the morning and their streets are immaculate the next day. Yeah. Tell me more. You, you said a bit more about the disgust that you feel when you see the litter. Can you tell me more about uh-huh. what's the feeling that you get? And do you remember like early experiences? Like how did you always know about the cleanliness and the, and the immaculateness? Tell me what's immaculate. Like, do you have experience of that growing up or an image in mind? Not necessarily. I just do remember. I can even tell you when I was really young how different things were. I'd be like riding with my uncle and we'd be eating McDonald's or something. And he'd just have you roll down the windows and throw it out the window. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, th- that was just uh, when I was super young. But now now that I've gotten a little older, I realize that these cities are getting trashed really quickly. And if you don't do your part, that the it's going to be even worse. So the thing that I try to do, like I said, is I just try to pick up, picked up around me. And I like to see clean places as well, because just dirty, it just carries diseases, all kinds of issues. I'm going to go back to what I said before about the, the emotions that I when here in New York City, I you know I pick up litter every day, uh-huh. and I go to Washington Square Park, and everyone. I mean, I was there with a friend, and I said, "How many people here have disposable packaging with them?" And she looks around. And she's like, "I guess about eighty-five percent." And there's not enough garbage for garbage cans to put them all in. But even if there was, everyone's like, "Oh, the sanitation should pick it up." I'm like, we didn't have plastic for most of human history, and I don't think it's making us happier to have. 19 flavors of vitamin water. Like, that's not freedom to me. Right. I mean, yeah, it is freedom, but it's not, that's not what I'm hanging my hat on. And meanwhile, last night I, w- I was there, I was there in the evening and most people had left and it was just exactly what you said. I, I can't imagine someone being there and not feeling the disgust. Mm-hmm. And I don't like disgust, but I'd rather, if there's something disgusting, I'd rather feel it than miss it, than ignore it. Yeah. The good news, I think, is people are starting to be a lot more um, cognizant of the environment around them. Like I mentioned that story with my uncle throwing out the garbage when I was a kid. I think that used to be commonplace. And I think a lot of people um, are uh, smarter than that now. 
I think that we have smartened up in the past 30 years as far as the environment goes. But some of these big cities, like you were speaking about New York, I mean, they're just so big, so much trash. It's just a a colossal um, project to try and keep it picked up. So going back to what you describe about, I'm hearing this mix of emotions of of a clean neighborhood versus a disgusting one. Mm -hmm. And based on those feelings, I invite you at your option, so you don't have to do it, but if you're up for it, to think of something to do to act on those feelings. And it's not, this is not to fix all the world's problems. It, it may help the environment, but the goal is not out there, but to act on your own values. And most people at this stage don't have anything in mind, but something that would be something new that you're not already doing, something that has a physical effect. So not just learning or talking to others or telling other people what to do, but something that you physically do yourself. Would you be game for coming up with something? And if you're up for it, then I'd want to bring you back a second time and ask how it went. Yeah, absolutely. And does anything come to mind? And it doesn't have to be forever. It's like it could be short term. Right. Off the top of my head, I'm blanking out, but just some kind of pickup effort I can work on around uh, town and uh, keep certain area clean, maybe trying to think of what would be a good spot. But I might have to get back to you on what exactly I'll be doing. But yeah, I will definitely come up with something and uh, doing some picking up and uh, recycle. Maybe I'll recycle. How about that, Josh? I've never recycled. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, actually, what made it interesting was how you you picked up on the voice. And what I found usually helps people is to make it a SMART goal, Mm -hmm. where SMART stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. So... Okay. It's harder usually for most people to say, I'll recycle, than it is to say, like, I'll recycle, you know, for one week, I'll make sure that all the aluminum goes here or okay. whatever it means to you. Yeah, I drink about four of these uh, Gatorade bottles a day. I guess I could start uh, recycling them. That's better use for the environment than just throwing them in the trash, huh? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and I think also that you'll be able to answer that better afterward because you'll probably have to figure out where it goes and does someone pick it up or, you know, that's part of what this is about. Right. Like when people talk about it, it's different than when they do it. Right. So if you do this, so if you recycle your Gatorade bottles, Mm -hmm. how long do you think you'd have to do it before if I had you back a second time and said, how did it go that you could give a meaningful answer of what your experience was like? Uh, Probably two months because then I'd have a big, massive stack and I'd be able to take them down, see how it goes, take them to the place where you recycle and uh, get my response. Like I said, I've never gone to one, so it'd all be new for me. (laughs) If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, it doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodick.com slash donate. So, okay. So after we finish recording, is it okay if we stay on a second and, and put on a calendar as a second conversation? Absolutely. And how does it, how does it sound to you? Like I'm, I'm reading... Oh, I don't want to lead the witness. Uh, well, how did you, 
Are you doing this for me? I mean, I walked you through the process of coming up with it. No, not necessarily. I mean, uh, I've mentioned before, I haven't drinking soda in several years. And um, at one time we did recycle aluminum cans, but now I'm drinking a Gatorade and it's almost like the same issue instead of aluminum, it's plastic now. So I guess maybe uh, there is a better solution for what I could be doing with my plastic bottles than just throwing them in the trash. I'm feeling like, how do I put it? Like, I, you know, I, I took years to develop how to talk to people. So it, so people are acting on their own motivations, not mine. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what, what I think what made the big difference with with Rob was when I don't I don't know if he or I told you about when I asked a volunteer from the audience at Google to come up on stage and I walked him through this process. And when I said I invite you to come up with something you can do, he said, "Oh, I'll do what you're doing." And I don't really remember it, but Rob told me afterward, and I, I hope I get my memories of what Rob told me right that. I could, I, he, there was the opportunity for me to say, yes, do that. And instead I said, that's what I do for me, for my motivations, but your motivations are yours. So I'm not suggesting you just copy me blindly, but come up with something for yourself. And I think that Rob was like, whoa, wait, he just had the chance to tell someone what to do and he didn't. Right. Yeah. Like I said, you always keep things reasonable. I can go recycle bottles or whatever. That's a reasonable goal for me. But like, if you would have asked me to use one garbage can for an entire year, like you do, I'd say, Josh, there's no way I can do that. <laughs> so oh, yeah, uh, it, yeah. Just, I wouldn't have been able to then either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's funny after you said that my girlfriend and I always make jokes when we're taking out the garbage, like, man, this would be like two years for Josh. <laughs> Oh man, I pick up garbage every, I mean, I do it every day, but on Sundays, there's a, a guy who's running for city council organizes a pickup. And so I go up, there's a park at the other direction from Washington Square Park. And I, I don't have any plastic bags. I don't buy any plastic bags. So I go down to my building's basement where people put the recycling in a, in a garbage. And there's always, in the recycling, people put plastic bags, but plastic bags are not recyclable. So I take one from in there that someone else got rid of and I bring that to the trash pickup because I don't want to use one of theirs because that would be creating new plastic waste. And walking from here to there is less than one avenue block. And I always fill the whole bag, just less than a block. Mm. It fill up a whole bag of garbage. And then when I get there, there's a garbage can there. So I empty it there. And then I come back the other way, fill up another load. Mm. I was in uh, Portland back in um, August and They've got such a bad pollution problem. For a far left city, it makes no sense to me because under every single bridge impasse, I mean, there's just stacks and like mountains of garbage and it's just disgusting. I mean, it's like, why are these people polluting their own city and where's the city to clean this crap up? Yeah, now I'll talk about it in New York, but I'll also say when I stayed three months at my mom's at the beginning of the pandemic, there's a lot of... Kaga and MAGA and Trump 2020 uh, flags up there. Uh-huh. And the side of the road is, I mean, a lot of beer cans, which means that it's not only trash that they're throwing out the window, but it's drinking and driving. But what really got me, I forget if I told, I think I talked to Rob about this. There's one time, I, my mom gets 10,000 steps every day. So we'd go for walks. And one time we we're walking and she also ran a marathon a few years ago. Her first marathon wow. ever was at age 67. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah. And I'm really happy to have inspired her as like, she went to see me run a marathon and she was like, all right, I'll do it. And now if you run a marathon, that means you've, you've know every street around where you are. In her case, it's rural out there. So once each street is like a mile away from each other street, but one time we're walking along, not a mile, but a fair distance. 
one time we're walking along, I said, hey, can we go this way? And she goes, oh, I never run that way. So it was kind of new for her. So we're walking along and there's a place where a stream goes underneath the road. And it was an interesting scene because on the right, it was, I don't know what you call it, not prairie, but it was flat, kind of boggy, uh, probably someone's farm, but out of season because it was early March. And on the other side, the stream went into some woods. So there were no trees on the right side, but there were trees on the left side. And the stream going through the woods, I mean, it could have been like from Hudson River School. It was the, the art uh, tradition. It's just beautiful, beautiful scenes. Except when I was looking in the tree side, the stream going through, I looked down and there's a, a big bucket. I don't know. Someone just threw it out. That was in the stream. But on the grass before the stream, like over the tunnel, there was a trash bag that had been ripped open, I guess, from having been thrown out of a car. And there was like dirty diapers. Wow. And I'm like, what is this? And my mom says, there you have to pay for your garbage to be picked up. Or you can take it to the dump yourself. But they weigh, I think, I don't know exactly the details. They weigh your car on the way in and on the way out. And you pay for the difference. And she says, or people just throw the garbage out the window and then they don't have to pay anything. Right. And, oh. Yeah. I mean, this was such an, it was like beautiful, except diapers and buckets. And yeah, that's really sad. It was the same way when I went to uh, Oklahoma. It's a, since I'm not just picking on Portland here, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was totally let down on because when we got to Oklahoma, it's just a beautiful state, so much wide open country and um, just a beautiful uh, scenery and stuff. But then we got to Tulsa for the Trump rally last year and, um, I was really let down in the city, just garbage all over the place. And this is a Republican city. So, yeah, I was very taken back at how bad Tulsa was. And uh, Portland was a lot of the same. Just a lot of these big cities, just they need to get their garbage situation under control. Because I don't know, Josh, uh, when I was younger, I don't remember seeing all these huge piles of garbage all over the cities. Do you? Oh, man. If I look at pictures back then, there were scenes, generally no. If I look at scenes of like New York in the in the fiscal crisis just before the, you know drop dead the headline, there was a lot of garbage, but at least it wasn't garbage that wouldn't decompose for a thousand years or five hundred years. So the plastic changes things a lot. A lot of times, people are like Josh, what you do doesn't matter. It's it's really not that much of a difference. One person, I'm like, but it's my neighborhood. I certainly want to take responsibility for the garbage that I produce myself. And why wouldn't I? I mean, it doesn't take me time and it improves my world. But, and actually in my case, it's also now I've been doing it enough that my, I've had several mayoral candidates on my podcast and we talked about this stuff and I talked about the city council members. So I have a couple of city council members who are running, who are connecting me with this and a, a guy running for Senate contacted me about that. Like if you do it, if you don't do anything, you just imagine all you see is like, Oh, some guy picking up garbage. What a waste of time. Right. But if you do it a little bit, you get a little effect, but if you do it enough, then you start your identity. Well, I got the podcast and so forth, but I, I've chose to do this. I'm making a difference and I'm barely getting started. Right. Absolutely. Just make it a normal part of your life. So I propose that we pick up here next time because we'll have another conversation. And if that's cool, or actually I should ask, is there anything I didn't think to ask that's worth bringing up or anything you want to say to the listeners? Excellent. Well, actually, uh, MAGA Media, we're actually in the process of closing it down. Rob and I are moving over to AmericaOutloud.com, and we're now doing a talk radio show on there. We're on Monday through Friday on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Android, Apple, just type in America Out Loud and you will find it for uh, conservative news and opinions. So, uh, yeah, we're just in the middle of a change, um, shutting down the MAGA media site. I got suspended from um, Twitter in January, the same day that President Trump did. And obviously uh, for the website, we're kind of, uh, you know, we funded the website based on the amount of views we got and uh, being suspended from Twitter drastically cut down on the amount of views we were getting. So it just, uh, we had to start looking in other directions and what we could do. So we've teamed up and moved over to AmericaOutloud.com and uh, doing talk radio Monday through Friday now. And hopefully, Josh, you'll join us sometime soon. I look forward to it. And I'll put the link in when this posts. And I think I'll leave it for next time to keep this under an hour. But I'm curious about the effect of, of the Twitter ban and things like that, because that adds a whole other element of what to do next and right. not just what to do, but how, how it felt. And like, can we pick it? Can we start there next time? Absolutely. Yeah, this was fun, Josh. I appreciate it. Glad to have you and look forward to next time. Yeah, this was the first time I've ever actually kind of done an interview instead of interviewing someone. So it was kind of a fun change. <laughs> Well, I look forward to hearing how next ones go if you start appearing on other podcasts and other shows and things like that, too. Yeah, I was a little nervous. I looked at your website and seen you just had on like an astrophysicist and all that. I was like, oh, man, that's not going to be me. <laughs> yeah. And actually, the most recent one was, uh, did you look up Alexandra Paul, her background? Oh, the actress? Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, she had an amazing background. Baywatch, all kinds of good stuff. Huh? Yeah. And yeah, I've had some really amazing guests. And you and Rob are two of them. Oh, thank you. I mean, I've been looking forward to this. And there are a few people who say, Josh, some of the things you've said and done, I can't follow you anymore. And I think it has to do with MAGA media, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and I want to talk to people I disagree with to learn what I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, MAGA media, when the website, we're in the we were getting ad we were getting paid off of advertisers we were getting. So, you know, it's kind of the website clickbait thing. Some of the extreme things we'd post about just kind of for clickbait to get some money rolling in, you know what I mean? Basically then, you know, might be my deep views on a certain issue on certain things, you know. So as far as like the controversial things that were on MAGA Media, it's not always because I thought it was, you know, the most important story, but um it's just any website you're looking for clicks. And um, the ad revenue from the clicks, not that, that we we're posting fake news. A lot of times it would be like citing stuff from Daily Mail, um, just some stories like uh, a lot of mainstream media outlets wouldn't touch like the Andrew Gillum um, situation in Florida, um, the Katie Hill situation. Uh, we just kind of did what we could for to get uh, some attention on us or whatever through any means necessary. <laughs> I've taken some cues from Donald Trump, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. All right. And let's pick up here next time. Okay, great. Well, Andrew, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, had a good time. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.